is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. We made it to the beginning of another week. We did it, everybody. Let's uh, let's pat ourselves on the back for getting here. And let's charge ahead. Let's make this the greatest week that has ever been, as only we can do. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling, Monday morning edition, the franchise show. Greatest podcast there is, really. Welcome. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Everybody that celebrated, hope you had a great Easter. I mean, I'm sure it was atypical for the vast majority of you. I know it was for us in the Roberts household. But we were able to get the kids to see their grandparents separated, not inside, backyard stuff, many feet apart from each other. However... They still got to spend a little bit of time together. So that's what we do. We focus on the positives, right? It's all we can do at this point anyway. So welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. There is a whole lot. I mean, I've been considering what to do on this show as sort of things, you know, in the world change. Like it seems like at any point we could run out of stuff to talk about. I kind of thought that after WrestleMania, I would have to take a serious look and uh, whether it was captive audience shows, whether it was historical shows, whether it was list type shows, whether it was something else where we just dipped back into wrestling history uh, and we did stuff that way. But, man, the wrestling news continues. This was a huge weekend for wrestling news. And I think we should start with something that uh, if you follow those trending topics... If you look at what is penetrating the mainstream culture, if you look at where conversations are headed, could be the biggest thing of the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you've heard this or not, but Ronda Rousey said that wrestling's fake. I know. I can't believe it either. Of all the insulting, terrible things to say in 1985, Ronda Rousey thinks that wrestling is fake. So here's the story. Ronda Rousey went on Steve-O. You remember Steve-O from Jackass? He's cleaned up his act quite a bit. He's using his brain these days. He's uh, talking. He's a good guy. He had uh, Ronda Rousey. I guess he started a podcast, and he had Ronda Rousey on it. And he was talking to her about whether she was done with WWE or not. And... She went on this thing where she basically said uh, that she loved being in WWE. She loved the locker room. She loved performing. But F those fans. She said that uh, it came down to a choice whether she was going to put her energy into her family or whether she was going to put her energy into something where she was surrounded by negativity and uh, and unappreciative fans. And, I mean, people have different levels of sensitivity. But there's no way. And I'm, this isn't the Defend Ronda Rousey show by any stretch of the imagination. But there's no way you can sit there and say, I don't know what that comment is based on. <laughs> like, 
She's right about wrestling fans. We are terrible. And trust me, and I'm not keeping, I'm, I'm not excluding myself from the statement like I'm not a wrestling fan or that I'm, I have some kind of hierarchy as far as wrestling fans go. But generally speaking, the broad stroke, the group of us, we're horrible. And wrestling allows us to be so. I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't have those sensitivities, okay? But I look through, I mean, look, what I've done in WWE is uh, the most minor fraction imaginable of what Ronda Rousey has done in WWE. Ronda Rousey made just the biggest impact you could possibly make over the course of a year in WWE. The stuff that just I read from doing pre-shows about my performances, I look at these tweets and I go, pro wrestling or not, there is no way you can write that about somebody and go to bed at night thinking, I'm so glad I'm a good person. Because you're not a good person. You're a bad person. And you could say, well, Sam, you're a bad person. You said you didn't like my favorite wrestler. Okay, well, you said that I you would prefer I was not breathing and uh, brought my family into the mix and also accused me of racism or misogyny or any other unimaginably bad thing that you could accuse somebody of. Threats of violence. I mean, crazy town. It doesn't bother me, though, because I just look at it as this is this is how this is how booze are translated on the Internet. Right. This is this is just what it is like when you as a fan realize that you have direct access to this person that you want to boo. You want to go to a, a, a an arena and pay for a ticket to boo this man or boo this woman in the case of Ronda Rousey. And that's cool. But then you find out that these public people have set up these Twitter accounts where they're, for whatever ungodly reason, actually checking their app mentions. And you go, oh, so I could boo them to their face without actually ever having to be in their face. Because, you know, actually booing somebody to their face, that's when... That's when real life steps in and you go, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not a villainous person. I'm not a lunatic. I'm not going to boo somebody right to their face, but in an arena or on Twitter. Yeah, I'll do that. But you can't just boo somebody on Twitter. You can just go on Twitter and write boo. It's, you sound stupid when you do that. You sound ridiculous. But you could say the most insulting thing that you can think of to that person because you just watch them on television. And that's what people do on Twitter. It is the it is the it is the internet translation of booing somebody in an arena. There are a lot of people who look at their Twitter account or their Instagram or whatever they're doing publicly on the internet as something separate from what they're doing on a wrestling show, which I think that is mistake number 1. That once you're, once you're doing something publicly, you're doing something publicly. That's it. There can't be two versions of you. You are presenting yourself publicly as a being a certain way. So when you're getting a reaction on social media that is similar 
to the reaction you get in a building, except just different words are used. It's more, it's more venomous when it's online and it feels more personal because it's a, it's an individual directing this at you, but still they're just emoting how they would emote in a building. I guess some people can get their feelings hurt. Maybe Rhonda was telling the truth there. Maybe Rhonda doesn't like that. You know, maybe Rhonda doesn't like that in the world of wrestling, it's not this thing of, well, we appreciate your performance or we don't appreciate your performance. It's all or nothing because in wrestling, it's not about, the in-ring performance. It's about the character. When you boo or you cheer, you're generally, when it's done right, you're booing or cheering a character. Somebody could be the best wrestler in the world. But if they're a bad guy and they're doing their job right, they're still going to get boos. And people are booing them because they're like, I don't like this character. This character is a bad person. I disagree with everything that this character is. And when you're playing yourself, sometimes that seeps through and it becomes difficult to figure out what's real life and what's wrestling life. But, I mean, it's not for me. You know, unless my wife and kids are sitting there going like, oh, you don't like Bianca Belair? I'd be like, what are you doing, man? I'm at home. (laughs) But if it's on the internet, I'm like, you know, they don't know I'm at home. I could be in an arena. I could be at a radio station. I could be at Denny's. You know what I mean? They don't know. That's not their thing. And us as fans, it's not our responsibility to know what type of day somebody's having, what type of anything. You know, like that's not up to us. If you're having a bad day and because of that, somebody gets to you and your aunt mentions, the only cure, and I've done it, The only cure for this is when you're having a bad day, don't check your app mentions. It's amazing. It just goes away. It's incredible. When you start to uh, resent the feedback that you're getting, stop looking at the feedback. And then you go like this. Oh, that performance worked out much better than I thought. If I was sitting there and I didn't want to hear, right, here's the beauty of doing commentary for NXT the other week. I did it. It went on TV. And that's it. Right. If I was sensitive and didn't want to read criticisms of what I did, didn't want people to be mean about what I did, I would have just not gone on Twitter. And then I'd be like, oh, I got some really nice texts from some people, I guess, universally approved. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't have even occurred. I, I, the other stuff I would never have even known about. But there's this thing. Oh, people are talking about me. I got to find out. I want to see. Then you go online, you're like, well, they're being mean to me. I hate this. It's like, I don't know, man. You can't do something because you want cheers. Because if you get a positive reaction and you give that positive reaction a certain weight, then you have to give the negative responses the same amount of weight. If you get two tweets and one of them says, Oh my God, you're the best. And the other one says, you are terrible at this. You can't just believe one of them. You can either know either I'm really good or I'm not. Like you could go in knowing what your level of skill is and go about your day and not pay attention to what these people who don't know are saying, or you could weigh them both equally and go, well, I guess I'm just average. 
I'm not that great, but I'm not that bad. We're going to meet in the middle of these two tweets. You know, I didn't hear Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey got booed, but she was a bad guy. You're supposed to boo the bad guys, you know? So I don't know, but I looked at that and I was like, you know, good. Good. I'm glad Ronda's insulting wrestling fans. Good. You know, that's a brilliant idea. You know why? Because she'll come back and she'll be a bad guy. And people won't be cheering her because they're just happy to see this big celebrity's back. They'll be like, oh, that's the lady that said I was a bad person. That's the lady that said she cared about her family more than she cared about me. I don't like her. Well, that was only the beginning of it. The whole, you know, screw the fans. I'd rather take care of my family. That was the beginning of it. When the podcast first came out, that's what people were like jumping in on, right? Then there was this little quote as well, where she was trying to be nice to wrestling. She said, quote, having fake fights for fun is just the best thing. Having what fights for fun? What did you just say? Fake fights for fun? Wow. People didn't like this at all. Lana tweeted out a thing about how very, very disrespectful it was. Alexa Bliss tweeted out a thing about her injury and they kept her out of the ring for a year. I guess that was fake or however long it was. I don't know if it was a year. Nia Jax tweeted out a thing about how she was going to, you know, kick the you-know-what out of Ronda Rousey next time she got the chance. Next time she was in a ring, she wouldn't be quite so uh, gracious as she was. And then Ronda Rousey doubled down on it. She wrote hashtag kayfabe killer. And then she sent out this uh, tweet that said, anyone who is outraged by me calling pro wrestling fake fights for fun has never been in a real fight. While you all are tiptoeing around bruising some pro wrestlers' huge soft egos, no one is thinking about all the real fighters you're insulting when pretending pro wrestling is somehow on the same level of realism. Yes, I understand. Wrestling 300 days a year for years on end is incredibly tough on the body and a difficult profession. But do you know what would happen if you got in 300 real fights in a year? You would be dead. (laughs) Which, I mean, that is true. UFC fighters fight like three times a year because otherwise they would be dead. Um, But look, you know, I mean, I... I think we got to look at this a little bit deeper, you know. Um, when in real life, when it's for real, for reals, when somebody goes like, uh, Sam, you still like wrestling? I go, yeah. Already, like, I'm like, I'm not having this conversation. You still like wrestling? Yeah. That's the, always the response. Yes. I'm not good because here's the thing about me. This is just me. This is a Sam Roberts thing. You will never catch me justifying a thing that I like to anybody. You will never catch me trying to convince somebody that me enjoying something is legitimate. Why do you like that thing? Because I do. Either accept it or move on. But I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to sit there. There is nothing about you on the planet 
that makes you better than me. I guarantee already. Whoever you are, that's a, just the fact that this is a even a conversation, just the fact that in your realm of what is socially acceptable, you would come to me and start with, you still watch wrestling. Already, I'm, I look down on you. Already, I promise you, this is how I feel. I look down on you. I think you are a simple person probably. And we don't have anything in common. There's nothing for us to talk about here. So I'm not going to ever justify that. People go like this, Sam, what's your guilty pleasure? I go, why would anything that brings me pleasure make me feel guilty? You know what my guilty pleasure is? Because I don't. There are none. There's no such thing for me as a guilty pleasure. There are, 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 are things that you could classify as guilty pleasures, and I will tell you which one of those that I like. But I will never sit there and say, oh, I'm embarrassed to tell you I like this. Oh, I'm embarrassed to say I like that. No. No, because if I like it, I like it. What, what, you know, who are you? So already, if somebody says, you still like that stuff, I'm like, you, oh, I understand. I'm having a conversation with an idiot. I see. Then when they go like, well, isn't it fake? I'm not going to sit there and do a WWE PSA like, broke my damn neck, but I still got up. You know, like those... And by the way, in the 90s, it was kind of okay because in the 90s, we were only 10 years. We were only about a decade into this idea of sports entertainment being sports entertainment, into this idea of pro wrestling is not about trying to pull the wool over fans' eyes. Pro wrestling is about presenting a product that represents itself for exactly what it is. Now, we're 40 years into it. 40 more or less, call it 35. But by 1985, by WrestleMania 1, the cat was out of the bag, okay? Go look up John Stossel's 2020 investigation. It'll answer all your questions. Go back to 97, 98, whatever year it was, and watch that great NBC Pro Wrestling Secrets Finally Revealed show. You know, they talk before the match about what is going to happen. Oh, my God, you're kidding me. Nobody who watches wrestling watches those exposés in the last 30 years and goes, you're kidding me. What? No way. It's, there's, a, there's choreography to this? There's scripting to this? The results have been predetermined? You have got to be kidding me. It couldn't be. When somebody comes to me and says, well, isn't wrestling fake? I go, well, if I'm in a good mood, this is me in a good mood. I go, first of all, I'm not going to go over listing people's injuries because if I have to sit there and convince somebody that people get injured in pro wrestling, we're not talking about, I'm not dealing with somebody who is as well-researched on a topic as I would like to talk to about them. If I am going to talk to you about something, I don't need you to be an expert on it. I just need you to have some semblance of knowing what you're talking about. The minute you say pro wrestling, isn't that stuff fake? I go, this is a person with no idea what they're talking about. I'm not doing a master class. If you want to learn everything there is to know about pro wrestling, send me $50 
and I will do it over the internet. I will host a masterclass for you on pro wrestling and explain this to you. But other than that, I'm not going to sit there and take time out of my day to break down for you what pro wrestling is because you're an idiot. Not going to do it. If I'm in, that's me in a, that's what is going through my head every time. So if I'm in a bad mood, I go, yeah, sure, whatever. It's fake. Yeah, what, please, the, the conversation's just over. If I'm in the best possible mood, the best possible mood where I'm like, okay, fine, we can continue this conversation. I go simply this. Fake. Okay. What does it purport to be that it is not? That's all. That's all. It's very, very simple. You know, movies are not fake because they're not purporting to be something that they are not. Watch the movie Quiz Show. Okay? The game show 21. Back in like the 1930s or 40s or whenever that movie takes place. Maybe even 50s. I don't know. TVs were black and white, though. It was a really long time ago. In that movie, there's a huge scandal because, as it turns out, this game show was giving contestants the answers. Now, that game show was fake because that game show was purporting itself to be and presenting itself as a legitimate competition of brains. Sports entertainment does not purport itself to be that, okay? So for me, I feel like when people bring up the fake stuff, it's it's our duty as wrestling fans to be above it. It's our duty as wrestling fans that in 2020, two decades into the 2000s, People who remember Y2K are old. Nobody under 20 was alive for it. We're two decades into the 2000s. At this point, we as wrestling fans can no longer be triggered by the word fake. We as wrestling fans, I'm not talking about wrestlers, I'm talking about wrestling fans. We as wrestling fans cannot sit there and legitimately be insulted when somebody calls wrestling fake, it's ridiculous. It's not a real thing anymore. It's fake to call wrestling fake. It's so stupid. Anybody who is out there right now and has a quest to prove that wrestling is not fake, give it up. Because anybody in 2020 that you feel like you have to prove are wrong are morons anyway, okay? So don't worry about it. When Rhonda says this, I mean, when she just dropped, because there are levels to this, right? People go, well, is this a work? And then they go, well, if it is a work, this is not the good kind of heat. This is the bad kind of heat. And that I have even, honestly, I have even less tolerance for that. The only thing more annoying than somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about and wants to have a conversation about it is somebody who pretends to know what they're talking about and wants to have a conversation about it. People who sit there and tell you what wrestlers are supposed to be doing, what commentators are supposed to be doing, what's good heat and what's bad heat, what's a baby face pop and what's a, you know, like like all this stuff. If If, if you're just somebody who's watched on TV, you can have an opinion 
But it's not a fact, okay? You're not, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't. You know? You could say how it makes you feel. I don't like this because that. But you can't sit there. When Ronda Rousey all weekend is got mainstream talking, she's trending on Twitter for two days. She's got Jim Norton, who doesn't care one lick about wrestling, texting me going, hey, what's the deal with Ronda? Is she doing shtick or is she being real? She's penetrating the mainstream. If you don't like it, that's totally fine. And that's a whole separate conversation. If you sit there and go like, yeah, I really, it really annoyed me. That's cool. But if you sit there and you say, well, no, I mean, I get it. And I thought it was good, but that's the bad kind of heat. People are tweeting about her because they hate her. That's bad heat. What? What are you talking about? We just went over what people tweeting hatred about a person is. It's booze. It's noise. You know what the bad kind of heat is? Ronda Rousey comes out and says, hey, wrestling's fake, everybody. And then everybody turns around and goes, Ugh, who cares about Ronda Rousey? That's the bad kind of heat. That kind of heat doesn't trend. If you're trending and people are going, who even cares about you? You just show them the trend. Everybody does. I'm trending. I'm, everybody's talking about me. There's no such thing. There is no such thing as, as, as bad heat when there's noise. Bad heat, quote unquote, is no noise. You wouldn't even, most people wouldn't even call it heat. They'd just be like the audience, they just, the audience was dead. That's what bad heat is. So if this all is a, 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 a work, if that's the word we would use, if this is, you know, shtick, then I would say it's immensely effective because everybody's talking about her and all these wrestling fans are triggered. First, because she said, I don't like wrestling fans. Oh, really? And then she said, because wrestling's fake. No, it's not. You know, everybody got mad. Good. And get mad. Go ahead and get mad. That's cool. She then quoted uh, Hulk Hogan and his infamous tweet that said, uh, the jabroni marks working themselves into a shoot. And by, I mean, it just rambles, work, shoot, jabroni marks, blah, 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 over and over and over again. Um, and, you know, some people took that as a, as, a, as a message. Other people just took it as that's how she's responding. Look, here's the deal. Her quote on the Steve-O podcast was, uh, having fake fights for fun is just the best thing. I don't think she said that for heat. I don't even think she realized she said that. I think that in that moment, she was being colloquial. She was trying to relate to somebody who doesn't get wrestling. And she just, she demoralized and, and, was diminutive towards pro wrestling. Because that is the thing. I mean, I get it. I get it. People say wrestling is fake. It is very, it, it makes, it, it, it pushes wrestling down. Like it, it brings us all back as fans to a time when people tried to make you feel like it was embarrassing to like wrestling. Like you were an idiot if you liked wrestling because you didn't understand that the wool's being pulled over your eyes. 
in my lifetime, in my entire life, and I'm 36, I'm an old man, in my life, it's never been true. Never. I don't think that the wool was trying to be pulled over my eyes. Now, in pro wrestling, do they do things to help you uh, uh, suspend, uh, to help you with your suspension of disbelief? Of course. It's the same thing all narrative television does. You know, they, they, if you sit there and you watch The Sopranos and you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm really noticing what Gandolfini is doing here. He's not doing a good job. If you're watching The Sopranos and you're going like, do you hear what Tony said last night? Then he's doing a good job. When I'm interviewing an actor and I'm like, I loved it when you did this on The Sopranos. And I'm talking about what the character did, not his choice as an actor. That means he's doing a good job. You know, it doesn't mean that I got tricked. And we know that. And that's got to be enough for us. It's got to be enough for us that we know that. There's nobody out there for you to impress. It'll just drive you crazy. So I, I think that, I, I'll tell you this. I think that Rhonda, when she was insulting wrestling fans, was trying to get heat. I think that when she said having fake fights for fun is just the best thing, she was actually just trying to be fun. She was trying to be funny. And it just didn't take. Um, it, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're trying to be funny and also represent the fact that you love wrestling, that's bad terminology. Sure. But, and I, I mean, look, who knows? We have to now look at, I, I, I think that when she realized that the fake part of her statement was catching more steam than her statement about uh, wrestling fans, then I think she decided to double down on it. Then I think she decided to go with the heat, which I think is brilliant. If that's what she did, I think it's the right move. I'm with the people who think it's a weird way to go. If you remember going into WrestleMania, she was putting out videos on YouTube talking about wrestling being fake while she was the champion. And it's like, this is weird. Like, I need you to clarify what you mean by this. Because why would you want to be champion? Why are you here? You know what I mean? It gets really dicey when you're doing this. And you have to tell the story properly. I don't think, I, I think that it's okay right now but I do sit there and I watch it and I go, well, where is this going? If you think this is fake, as, as the, if this character that I'm watching, the, if the Ronda Rousey character thinks that everybody else on the roster is fake wrestlers and wrestling is fake, well, then wasn't it fake when you won the title? You know what I mean? Like that's where it gets weird when the fake word is brought up in storyline. I also think that we're living in a time when Fans are smarter than they've ever been. And pro wrestling as we know it in the sports entertainment world has been around as long as I just said. We're approaching 40 years that wrestling has looked like this. And fans that watch today are aware of the tropes. Fans that watch today are aware of the beats in storylines, in in character work, in character arcs, in when they're supposed to cheer and when they're supposed to boo. And, and it becomes very easy for fans, if wrestling is done in a traditional way that they've seen a million times, we watch the show and instead of reacting in a genuine way, we react in a way that we think that we should because we accept an assigned role, which I don't think is good. I don't think fans should accept 
assigned roles. I don't think we should be cheering for the good guy just because or the bad guy just because or booing the good guy just because or whatever it is. I think that we should be reacting genuinely to what we see. And I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, and so because of that, because fans are so smart, you have to start doing things in a way where it's not as clear anymore where the cutoff is between reality and story. And it's not as clear anymore of where things are going. You know, like, like maybe we just figure out, okay, like we can't do the traditional wrestling stuff and have people react emotionally to it because they know what we're doing. So instead, what if I come out here and say wrestling is fake anyway and it really gets wrestling fans upset and then when I show up into an arena, they boo me? I mean, it works. Not everybody can do it, but Rhonda can because she comes from MMA, you know? So I think you get uh, some of the WWE superstars responding and who knows? I don't even know half the time. It's the same question that, that that is raised when you go, well, is Ronda Rousey doing shtick or does she really feel this way or is it a mixture of both? When Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss and Lana are responding on Twitter, are they responding because they actually feel that way? Or are they responding because, oh, this will be good. You know, when she comes back, I'll be a good guy. She'll be a bad guy. We can have a match. Um, you know, don't forget when Ronda first showed up, there were all these weird tweets from like Nikki Bella and other people that were talking about how Ronda shouldn't be there. I will, and I have no idea, but to this day, to this day, I believe that that those were tweets that were sent out intentionally. Like there was, they they wanted that energy out there about Ronda Rousey for whatever reason. Um, so I think when Ronda Rousey saw tweets coming in from WWE superstars and saw that the reason she was trending was not just because she was insulting wrestling fans, but because she said wrestling was fake. I think she doubled down on it. I personally think that Ronda Rousey will absolutely be back. And look, who does she look up to? The hot rod, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Paul Heyman. These are the people that she is documented as looking up to. Paul Heyman, if nothing else, I mean, go back to ECW Look at Monday Night Raw in the last, you know, in recent episodes of Monday Night Raw. Paul Heyman, and even, you know, SmackDown back in the day. Paul Heyman is all about mixing reality and story. ECW was, was the whole hook to me of ECW was not barbed wire. It was not, you know, trash cans and steel chairs. It was not blood and guts. To me, the hook of ECW was, yeah, I know wrestling is fake, but not this stuff. Because even as a teenager, man, yeah, I was in high school. I was old enough to know better, still too young to care. And I go, I would turn on ECW and I'd be like, I think this is real. I think this is what wrestling look like, looks like when it's real. And that was the whole gist of ECW and 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 it translated not just in the action but through the storylines. It was reality based storylines, and I think that that's something that Paul Heyman uh, has a real knack for, and it's really made us care. Look at the build up from Edge versus Randy Orton. Look at Undertaker and AJ Styles. Look at you know the stuff leading up to WrestleMania. It was like reality. Look at Brock Lesnar and Drew McIntyre. Even 
They started drawing from reality real quickly as they led up to the show. Um, then you look at Hot Rod Rowdy Roddy Piper, and as a bad guy, I mean, there was no winks. Hot Rod never winked. There was no sort of like, yeah, I know I'm doing things that are going to make you boo me. And this is going back. This isn't, I would say, you know, by 1991, people had gained such an appreciation for Roddy Piper that, you know, he'd be beloved forever. But man, mid-80s, there was nobody more villainous than Hot Rod Rowdy Roddy Piper. And mid-80s Hot Rod, there was no winking at the camera. There was no, like, I mean, this is Roddy Piper, but Roderick Toombs would never say anything like this. It was, I will take these things that I say on this wrestling show, and I will, I will, I will go to death for them. This is reality to me, and I'm going to make you hate me. Right? So I think when you think about that in the context of Ronda Rousey and the fact that, look, she's the biggest wrestling fan. She is a huge wrestling fan. You know? I think that the Ronda will be back in WWE. I think that she will be back on a part-time basis, and I think that that's how she should be back, by the way, on a part-time basis. I think that Ronda Rousey uh, spent a year showing everybody how dominant she was. I don't think that there's a ton of value in having Ronda Rousey just be dominant over everybody all the time. And if you're not going to have Ronda Rousey dominant over everybody, there's no reason to have her because, you know, there's very few people that can be that person. There's very few people that can fill that role of coming in and and being dominant over everybody, you know, the way Brock Lesnar is. I think that that's the exact model that Ronda Rousey should be looking at. Ronda Rousey should be looking at the Brock Lesnar model. Um, I talked about Ronda being the, not being the female Brock Lesnar in her first run in WWE, and that's because she not only was she there all the time, but she was also holding that role model card. She was still being that person to put the women's division on the map for the sake of all women. She was she was a role model, okay? I believe that she is making an effort to strip herself of that in the eyes of wrestling fans. I believe that she will be back, and I believe that when she does come back, she wants to make sure that people are not happy to see somebody as famous as Ronda Rousey. When she comes back, she wants people to be pissed that she's back. And if that's her goal, I think she was very, very effective this weekend. I did not think I was going to spend 40 minutes, honestly, talking about the Ronda Rousey story. But, I mean, there's just so much in there. There is so much in there to kind of dissect um, that I guess we get there. Um, yeah, the the uh, uh, the Ron Rousey quote, by the way, is uh, good night, rowdy ones and jabroni marks without a life that don't know it'll work when you work a work and work yourself into a shoot marks, which is an exact uh, Hogan uh, tweet. So. Yeah, man. Hey, guys, I hate to interrupt the conversation, but you know not only could you be listening to this right now without having the conversation interrupted, but there's even more Not Sam Wrestling content every single week that you may not be getting your hands on because only the shills get their hands on everything, and you can be a shill only by signing up 
at patreon.com slash not Sam wrestling. Becoming a not Sam show means that you get Thursday, not Sam Thursday, every single week, an additional bonus, not Sam wrestling podcast. It means that you get not Sam wrestling every week early and ad free. If you move up a tier, it means that you can watch Not Sam Wrestling get recorded live from the Not Sam studio every single week. It means you have opportunities to get merchandise. It means you have opportunities for live show tickets when we do live shows. Look, being a Not Sam show is the best way to not only experience this podcast, but to support this podcast. And it all starts at less than $1 a week. For less than a dollar a week, you can get the additional content. You can get the content first, and you will gain access to our Discord room where you can talk about wrestling with the Not Sam shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week, super active, super great community there, a little more money, and you start getting video content. It goes up from there. Look at it. See if it's something you want to experience for yourself. Become a Not Sam shill at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. So there you have it. That's uh, that's what I think about the Ronda Rousey story. At the same time, uh, big news coming out of WWE this weekend uh, was that apparently, and I've only read this online, so the one thing that I don't really do is... I don't really ask anybody at WWE about, you know, what's going on behind the scenes because, number one, if if somebody wanted to tell me something, they would tell me something. And number two, I don't want to be that guy. You know what I mean? I don't. I, I just want to be that guy. So I, I also, I like, I prefer when I do this podcast that we can talk about this stuff and I can just come up with ideas and present things without having any possibility of spoiling anything by mistake. Like, I like that I can go through the WrestleMania card and try to say this is exactly how it should be done. And when I'm right, I'm right. And when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But there's no way that I can be accused of spoiling anything because nobody ever tells me anything. I think it's great. So suffice it to say, I have no inside information on this whatsoever. I'm just going by the uh, news reports and everything. But uh, there were reports that there was somebody in the WWE, who is not on the roster, like not a wrestler, but somebody working there that tested positive for corona, for COVID-19. Apparently, I think I read that they tested after the WrestleMania tapings and that as we're approaching two weeks from it, from WrestleMania, that they should be cleared uh, very, very soon. Uh, Look, You know, at the same time, the rumors are that WWE is, instead of taping a bunch of stuff, like I guess AEW went and taped weeks and weeks of TV the last time they were out because who knows when they're going to be able to get out again. Who knows when they're going to be able to get into a venue and to get people there to travel. Like, so much is up in the air. They just wanted to get a bunch of shows done so they could air them. Uh... Apparently, WWE has decided to run shows live. And Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I guess. Raw, NXT, SmackDown, if you want to believe what you read on the internet. Uh, They're going to be doing live shows going forward, at least for the foreseeable. And, you know, I think a couple of things. It's important to note that people are, are figuring it out as they go. So if this is true today, but may not be true tomorrow, right? 
It could change. Things are changing at the drop of a hat. So you can't sit there and be like, yeah, but two months from now, who knows what's going to happen two months from now. All we could talk about is today and what the plan is for today. So there are people being critical of it, but look, um, I think something that you've really, really got to keep in mind, and I experienced this. I've, I've done stuff with WWE since the outbreak. I did the commentary for them. I didn't do that from home. I did it from Stanford. Um, they, at least in my experience, were taking such care of everything to make sure that the environment that we were in was as safe as humanly possible. I mean, wiping things down and re-wiping things down. I mean, industrial strength sanitizing equipment. I mean, new windscreens and everything on microphones. I mean, keeping everybody in different rooms. I mean, only the absolutely most necessary people being present when stuff was happening. I am a spaz about all this. I am paranoid about all this. Nothing comes into my house without getting like drenched in Lysol wipes. But there wasn't one part of me in Stanford that felt nervous about anything. Nothing. I've felt way more nervous going to the grocery store than I did about being there. Something that you have to keep in mind is WWE wants to keep doing shows. And I think it's great that they're figuring out how to do it. There are so many people that are out of work right now. There is no reason why we should be hoping that companies aren't working. If Dana White can get an island together and keep it safe for everybody and he can start running UFC shows again and paying fighters and paying tech people and running pay-per-views, then more power to him. That's amazing. That's what America's all about. I think that we absolutely have to be safe. Safety first. We should have as few people dying as humanly possible. And that's number one. But at the same time, and I think people should be staying home. However, if your employer has set up a way for you to work and it's safe, I mean, I'm working, I'm staying home, but my employers have said, I'm doing everything that I always do. I think that you ask anybody who's at home right now and they would love to be working. Maybe not anybody, anybody, but most people want to be working. I think that it benefits a lot of people when the WWE is is working. There's so many people employed by that company. And I mean, you don't understand if there's zero money coming in, then you're looking at, at, at huge amounts of people that are dependent on WWE being successful. At the same time, I think that the escape thing is true. I think that they're, they're, we do need an escape right now. I think that we do need to not have, you know, the news on all the time. And if you can give me some wrestling to watch, let's watch some wrestling, man. So, uh, you know, I, tr if you want to, I trust that the WWE is being safe because they're a professional company and they're, they, they aren't going to endanger people. If you want to be cynical about it, 
I trust that the WWE is being safe because if they're not being safe, they're not going to be able to keep running shows. It's just the facts. I mean, if you want to be negative and cynical about it, then they're still motivated to stay safe because they don't want to stop doing shows. And they will have to stop doing shows if they're not being safe. They're not looking at this short term. They're not figuring out, you know, how to get one episode of TV done. They're now, everything past WrestleMania is, okay, this is, we're in this for the long haul. Let's figure out how we can do this. Um, you know, I think it's been well documented that employees, if they don't want to work, are absolutely not being forced to work. You watch WrestleMania, you can figure that out. You know, I think it's been documented that anybody that shows up with any even remote chance of a symptom is not working and is not there. And I think there's evidence of that. And, you know, you talk about whoever this person was that apparently works for them and, and, and got corona. All the reports said that they didn't get it from working. They got it from activity outside of work and immediately went home, immediately quarantined, immediately did everything that doctors say that you're supposed to do. And I would imagine absolutely would not be back at work until that medically recommended quarantine period has ended. So, you know, I, 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 I think that a lot of people that are negative about WWE staying in business are negative about a lot of things WWE does. You know, if you look at that correlation, and I guess you could make the argument that like with me, People that are positive about WWE staying in business are positive about a lot of things WWE does. I guess you could make that correlation, but I just don't get the argument. If WWE is being safe and there's absolutely no evidence that they're not, and they have, they have stayed in business, by the way, and they have run shows this entire time without the Performance Center becoming a cesspool, you know? I, I, I've not been to the Performance Center but I fully believe that everybody is being thoroughly checked. I fully believe that that place is, is the cleanest place you could imagine. And I fully believe that if superstars didn't want to be there, they wouldn't be there, you know? So, you know, I, I, I think, I think that they, I, I think that they're, I think it's, I think it's a good thing that they're continuing shows. And I like that. I can, I can turn on my TV and watch WWE and know that, Everybody's safe and everybody wants to be there. Um, there have been some weird stuff on the shows. Um, I thought that uh, last week's Raw, I talked about most of Raw and like NXT and all that stuff on the Patreon exclusive Thursday, Not Sam Thursday podcast this week. So if you want to go more in depth, of course, every Thursday, this week it was Friday morning, but every Thursday for the most part, we put out a second podcast. It's a bonus show. Every single week, there's a second Not Sam Wrestling podcast, completely different from this one, that goes up exclusively for the Not Sam Shills at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. But what we didn't talk about was uh, Drew McIntyre versus uh, The Big Show last week on Monday Night Raw, or I guess technically WrestleMania. I thought it was really odd. I, I'm still kind of wrapping my head around it that, they, at the end of Retease, the last commercial or whatever, and they go, we're going to come back with the shocking ending to WrestleMania that you didn't see. And they had Drew McIntyre winning the title. 
and then he gets interviewed, and then the Big Show interrupts, and then they do Drew McIntyre versus the Big Show right after Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar. But we don't see it until the night after. And I mean, I guess, you know, it said WrestleMania on the signs. It looked like WrestleMania, but WrestleMania and Raw are in the same building, and they're both empty. So I felt like if you weren't paying attention to what you were watching, it might take you a second to even realize this isn't just a match on Raw. Um, I'm assuming that the goal there was to really make Drew McIntyre look like, oh my God, this is the guy. He was able to beat Brock Lesnar in the big show in one night. And I guess going forward, you'll be able to say Drew McIntyre beat Brock Lesnar in the big show in one night. Maybe that's the whole purpose. But I don't know. I I, I guess I just didn't, I don't. I didn't really see the merit in doing a post-credit scene of WrestleMania. I didn't see what would make it different from doing Drew McIntyre versus The Big Show, just having that match be on Raw. Um, you know, why not have The Big Show show up to Raw and then challenge the new champion, have Drew come out and be like, I, I'm not... First of all, he shouldn't be refusing the fight anyway, but he could be like, I'm not... I don't want to do this. He could make it clear that this isn't what he intended. You know what I mean? That 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 he's like, well, I just I just beat Brock Lesnar last night, and now I gotta. I mean, where have you even been? Who says you deserve a shot at the championship? Probably. Like you could still have the interaction the next night on Raw, and have it not feel like it's a thing that already happened. Because even though we don't know the results, and even though Raw and WrestleMania were both taped, to demonstrate it to that level where they're like, yeah, this is a new match, but it happened last night, but it didn't even really happen last night. It just happened at our tapings. It just got weird for me. It got, it got strange. And I'm not sure that as a fan, I care more that Drew McIntyre beat Brock Lesnar and Big Show in one night than I would have if I knew that he beat them one night after the other. Either way, it seems very difficult to do. So I thought that was really weird. Um, yeah, I just thought it was odd. I thought it was odd. Uh, SmackDown ended with Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman. I did like what Braun Strowman did. I liked, uh, I liked him kind of turning the Firefly Funhouse on its head and going, bye, bye, bye. See you later. I thought that was funny. Uh, I like that there's history between Bray and, and Braun. You know, no part of it didn't make sense to me when I watched it. I'm interested in seeing The Fiend and Braun Strowman. But here's my thing. Because of the way the last one went, I really start to clench my teeth. And I get a little apprehensive when they start saying The Fiend Universal Championship match. You know, I get a little like, I don't know if this is a good idea. The Fiend's history with the Universal Championship started with Hell in a Cell and ended with a match with Goldberg. These are two matches that we don't talk about no more. And I know he didn't win the title at Hell in a Cell. He won it, you know, at the next show in, in Saudi Arabia. But still, his history with the Universal title began at Hell in a Cell. And I think in an effort to... Uh, to fix what happened at Hell in a Cell, they put the universal title on him. Um, yeah, I, look, I want to see Fiend versus Braun. 
I'm happy that Braun is in the spot that he's in, actually. I'm glad that he's the Universal Champion. I like Braun in that position. And I'm happy that The Fiend is at the top of the card. But I don't want to see The Fiend wrestle for the Universal Championship. It makes me nervous. It makes me feel like something's going to get screwed up. Because what are the results of that? Either The Fiend loses, and now he's lost to Braun Strowman and to Goldberg, or The Fiend wins, and now Braun Strowman only got to hold the title for one you know, story, and The Fiend is the universal champion again. What are we supposed to do with this? Where do we go from here? You know what I mean? So that's that's what makes me apprehensive about about that kind of uh, rivalry. Just that, like, where are we really going from here? I mean, I guess I could trust. I could have faith. But I'd much rather see, like, I mean, you're not worried about selling tickets right now. Would it be that crazy to maybe use this time to, for you? so when the big show won the WWE championship, the WWE decided, screw it. Let's see if we can make this work. Let's turn the big boss man into a main event bad guy and have him challenge the big show. When John Cena was champion, the WWE said, screw it. Let's see if we can make our truth into a main event level bad guy and challenge John Cena for the WWE championship. A lot of times they don't work, but if they don't work, it's like no hus- no, no, no fuss, no muss, no harm, no foul. It's one match. Everything's okay. Why not use this opportunity to have Bray Wyatt involved with somebody else completely and then raise Cesaro. What if, you know, just until Money in the Bank for the next four weeks or however long it is, what if you groomed Cesaro and raised Cesaro up to be a a, a championship contender, a, a main event level bad guy? You've got the benefit of having Shinsuke Nakamura in his corner. You've got the benefit of having Sami Zayn there to talk for him and in his corner. You know, why not? You can tell this story of, look, Sami Zayn pinned Braun Strowman. And even if you're saying, well, you didn't do it alone, then you're like, yeah, it's because Cesaro kicked your ass. Now you got to face Cesaro. You could go in saying, I never thought Sami Zayn was going to beat Braun Strowman, and he did. Maybe Cesaro is going to be champion. You know, you've got this story where for years, People have been saying Cesaro should be a champion. Wrestlers say it. Everybody says Cesaro should be champion. Cesaro should be champion. Forever they've been saying it. So you go into this match, and while you're sitting there thinking, of course Cesaro's not going to be champion, there is a part of you that will be thinking, I wonder if Cesaro's going to be the champion. You know? I think that, and I don't think we're going to get a lot of those opportunities. You know, I think that Cesaro's, in a place right now where he isn't dissimilar to what the big boss man was, to what our truth was, that we just got to roll the dice and take a chance. And the fact that you have Braun Strowman as universal champion, which is clearly not what you had planned, why not turn around and go, okay, the next pay-per-view, the universal championship matches Cesaro versus Braun Strowman, and crazier things have happened. 
And you got five weeks, four or five weeks to make us believe. And I think you could, especially with the history between Braun Strowman and the Artist Collective. I mean, that's, that's, that's the direction I would go in. If it were me, that's probably what I would do. Uh, WWE Front Row writes in, um, I like the continuity with the Braun Bray story too, but I'm hoping that they take the title out of the picture. But they're not going to take the title out of the picture. Braun is the champion. Like, you know, I feel like if, if, I mean, what are you going to have Roman come back now and win the title from Braun Strowman right after WrestleMania? If Roman didn't want to work WrestleMania, what possible difference would it make now? I can't imagine, like, what would be the thinking? If somebody didn't want to work WrestleMania, what would be the thinking to working now, right? I've, I, I, I would think he'd be gone while all this is happening. And more power to him, by the way. So, yeah, man. So it, it leaves me going like, well, clearly the title is in the picture here. He just beat Goldberg. And I don't think Braun Strowman's title reign should be cut short either. So I really just feel like Cesaro is, is the first opponent that I would put with Braun Strowman. And it's also a way for Braun Strowman to maintain his title reign, you know? Um, I, I, I did get sent, uh, an Undertaker quote. Undertaker, I guess, was doing an interview on Instagram live. I, somebody tweet the Undertaker and tell him to do this show. Can you imagine an interview with me and the Undertaker? People act like I'm not the best wrestling interviewer anymore just because, you know, I've been doing it for so long and I don't do it every week anymore because there's so many wrestling interviews out there. But come on, nobody's coming close to taking my, my crown. Forget about that. Um, but the Undertaker said in an interview, he went, uh, people said, like, what about the unholy trinity? You said that uh, that AJ Styles would have to mess with the unholy trinity in the, in the, in the, in the, I was going to say the Buried Alive match, but in the Boneyard match. And uh, Undertaker said, this is the Undertaker, by the way. He said the unholy trinity represented who that character was that AJ Styles faced. It was the trinity of the Undertaker, Mark Calloway, and the American Badass. Ladies and gentlemen, exactly what I said. I mean, it scares me sometimes. It's exactly, exactly what I said about The Undertaker. He jumps on a motorcycle and people go, oh, it's the American badass. No, it's not. Limp Bizkit's not there. It clearly was not the American badass because he was in a boneyard. He buried AJ Styles alive. Why would the American badass bury somebody alive? That's not what the American badass does. American badass would have his match in Sturgis at Road Wild. The Undertaker would have his match in a boneyard. But Mark Calloway loves motorcycles. So what if we combine the three of them? I told you this was this was this was a uh, the, you know the Undertaker character moves is fluid, and this was simply the Undertaker evolving and representing himself as a human being. This is this is the dead man slash Mark Calloway slash the American badass who was Mark Calloway. I just, you know, wanted to bring that up because it's exactly what I said. And I felt really good about it when I saw it. And I hope you guys feel good for me too. And I hope you guys honestly feel good for being people who listened to this show and knew that going in, who read that quote from The Undertaker and they were like, and, and you guys were like, oh yeah, I totally knew that because I listened to Sam and he tells me what I need to know. I was psyched about it. Uh, we talked about the revival being released also on the Thursday podcast uh, on Patreon, but 
I do 100% think that they'll be successful. They've already got t-shirts up on pro wrestling tees. And I feel like FTR is going to be what they're known as. I mean, I don't even think it's a question. Clearly, AEW would be in their future, right? I would love to see them take a stop at NWA, but, you know, I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's exactly where they're going. Uh, so the WWE also announced this week uh, that uh, the Cruiserweight Classic. Yeah, front row. American Badass likes Limp Bizkit. Holy Trinity likes Metallica. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The Dead Man likes gongs. He likes, like, organ music. Mark Calloway likes Metallica. That's why Mark Calloway is a pretty cool dude. And the American Badass is a, he, he's a biscuit head. You know what I mean? He loves Limp Bizkit. He loves the KID, the Bull God, the American Badass, the early morning stone pimp. I'm talking about kid to the rock. Understand? Um, so the WWE announced this week that uh, the the they were going to do a, a tournament, a cruiserweight tournament, to crown an interim cruiserweight champion. Uh, Jordan Devlin is stuck in the UK. He's not going to be able to get back to the United States anytime soon. So they're going to crown an interim cruiserweight champion. I think this is good for a few reasons. Number one, I think it adds interest to the 205 Live brand uh, and the NXT cruiserweight brand as it is. You know what I mean? I like that they care enough about the cruiserweight championship that, I mean, because they could have said, well, Jordan's going to be in the UK for a while. Who knows when he's going to get back, but whatever. We just won't have a cruiserweight champion until he gets back. They could have said that, and they might have in the past, but I like that they're not. I like that they're doing this cruiserweight tournament. It adds importance to the cruiserweight title and the fact that it does need to be a regular part of WWE television programming, NXT television programming, and it's giving uh, it's giving a good look at some of the people that are in it. So they haven't announced what the exact matches are. All they've announced are uh, who they've announced two groups of four superstars. The first group is Kushida, Drake Maverick, Tony Nese, and Jake Atlas, who we saw on NXT uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I believe, yeah, he had the match with uh, Derek Loomis. Um, the second group is Akira Tozawa, Jack Gallagher, Swerve Scott. And making his NXT debut, El Hijo del Fantasma. Um, I think it's interesting that El Hijo is labeled as such because we've seen a lot of guys come over uh, from the world of lucha, from the world of lucha, and uh, be renamed and rebranded completely. You know, I think everybody in uh, Lucha House Party was Andrade, obviously, even Sin Cara when he first came over. Um, so to see him wrestling by his name that he's known as is uh, an interesting switch up, especially because when he got signed to NXT, all the pictures of him were with no mask on and his real name. But I guess he's donning the mask and going by his, uh, his Lucha Libre name for this tournament. Uh, you know, if I hope there are some cruiserweights that are sitting there going, I don't know why this guy gets a shot. He hasn't done anything in NXT. And then, you know the announcers or, or El Ejo or whoever it was would point out the fact that he's got quite a career under his belt before coming into NXT. But I think this is an interesting way to debut him. Uh, I think this, hopefully this will be a good moment for Swerve Scott, but I worry. I feel like Swerve Scott 
doesn't win these tournaments. Um, I think that Akira Tozawa should use this moment to be taken more seriously. Jake Atlas, obviously. And Drake Maverick. That's who this is a real opportunity for, is Drake Maverick. You know, to, to, to get to see Drake Maverick in a wrestling role competing for a, a championship in a real way, in a serious way that's not 24-7, um, I think that that's cool. And I know Drake has got to be psyched. I haven't talked to him or anything. But if you guys were at my uh, birthday show last September at Caroline's, um, you know that he loves this stuff. And if anybody deserves to display that, he does. You know, he's never complained about anything. And he just sits there and he wants to get better. He, I mean, this guy, dude, he eats, sleeps, breathes wrestling. So I love seeing him get this opportunity. Um, as far as who should win the thing, I would love to see the finals break down to Kushida versus Eliho and see Kushida win. You know, I think Kushida could really use the rub at this point. And I think that Kushida win winning would not only be strong for Kushida, but it would be strong for the Cruiserweight title. You know, I think Kushida wins, and all of a sudden we've got Cruiserweight Championship matches happening at TakeOver shows. You know, I don't necessarily see that for anybody else. Um, you know, and I think that that's necessary right now for the Cruiserweight Championship. And just to, you know, the same way Charlotte winning the title brings eyes to NXT, I think Kushida winning the NXT Cruiserweight title would bring eyes to 205 Live. Interesting, by the way, that uh, Leo Rush is not in this tournament. You know, makes you wonder what's happening with Leo Rush because he, first part of the year, seemed like he was doing really well. He was back in WWE, won the Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, he had a really good run with it. And now he kind of seems to have disappeared again. And as uh, I follow him on social media, it seems like he's focusing more on music and stuff like that. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Leo Rush, but I hope he's doing all right. And I, I do wish he was in this tournament because I consider myself a Leo Rush fan. All right, guys. I think we're wrapping it there. Uh, I appreciate all you guys. I hope all you guys are doing well. I hope all you guys are staying strong, staying healthy. Um, and I'm glad that we can uh, we can still be here for you. I'm glad that Not Sam Wrestling uh, can still be uh, some semblance of normalcy in your day-to-day -day life. Make sure you check out the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, I think I'm going to put, I probably already did by this time, put the audio out on Patreon, but uh, the video breakdown scene by scene of uh, of the the Firefly Funhouse match I explained every single reference I could find in that match. It took about 45 minutes, but I'm very, very proud of it. It's on my uh, primary YouTube channel, youtube.com slash NotSam. So that's on that YouTube channel. Everything else at youtube.com slash NotSamWrestling. Need anything else? NotSam.com. Hit me up on email, NotSamWrestling at gmail.com. Send me some questions. Maybe we'll answer them next week. We'll see you then. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.